0: What is up and welcome in. We are, I don't know, what about 29 hours removed from possibly the most exhilarating heart racing match in the history of Allianz Field. A 4-4 draw between Minnesota United and Portland Timbers. I gave you all 29 hours to digest it and bring those day after questions and comments. So go ahead, feel free to drop those in the chat as we get going here. My name is Jeremy Rushing with sodasoccer.com. Soda soccer your new home for soccer coverage in the north make sure you check us out at sodasoccer.com or hit us up on our patreon patreon.com soda soccer to get some bonus content and support us there this is post loons presented by sodasoccer.com and as i said my name is jeremy rushing and a day late but not a dollar short we're breaking down the 4-4 draw between minnesota and portland at Allianz field last night now as i mentioned if you're trickling into the youtube stream and you want to leave that question or comment get involved in the conversation Go ahead and do that. If you're watching on Twitter and you want to get involved and you want to leave that question or comment or thought, you're going to have to go over to our YouTube channel, uh, YouTube.com. Search Soda Soccer. Search Post Loons. if you want that question or comment to be read on the air. Um, Unfortunately, Twitter doesn't uh, feed into our streaming system here, so we're unable to read those uh, Twitter comments or see those Twitter comments on my end here. So if you want to get involved, make sure you're checking us out on YouTube, YouTube YouTube.com. Again, search post loons or soda soccer. There, we're just a few subscribers away from actually being able to get that YouTube domain, youtube.com/sodasoccer, or like six subscribers away. So, if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel yet, please do. That would be great to help us get to that 100 subscriber threshold. Also, if you're already subscribed, tell a friend to hit that subscribe button too. That would be huge. But yes, it was a four-four draw. Dave Valensky kicking things off in the conversation tonight says, "Usually ties are bittersweet." but this was more bitter. Uh yeah, hard not to feel like this was two points lost after the 3-1 lead at half. Um you're feeling really really good. Obviously the the offensive onslaught was on, but you get the return favor in the second half where Portland brings the goals. And it's this weird range oceans where you know, you you give up a goal 14 seconds in and all of a sudden like oh man, how, how is this is how bad is this going to be and then suddenly eight minutes later you get the equalizer 13 minutes after that you take the lead on another Bongi goal you get the bird dance after the goal right uh and then uh and then right and then before half you get Luis Amaria as well doing his thing scoring another goal um and just a, an aside here we'll get to his performance overall but I think he's just getting better and better at Luis Sam Maria each match. I think over the last three matches, maybe his three best performances in a Minnesota United uniform. Um, but um you you get that three one lead at half. You're feeling awesome. We're rolling. things are good. Uh, let's blow this team out. And then suddenly you blink 20 minutes in twenty minutes plus into the uh, into the second half and suddenly you're down four three. And then just a few minutes later, Luis Sam Maria gets the equalizer. And Allianz Field comes back alive. It's this roller coaster of emotions that was just uh, unlike anything we've really seen with this Minnesota United team before. Usually they don't play these back and forth, end to end, wide open matches like this. So it was kind of fun. But at the end of the day, you do blow a 3 1 halftime lead and you have to settle for a point at home. Uh, which obviously leaves that bitter taste in the mouth, as Dave was saying. Um, If you're like Dave, though, and you want to get involved in the conversation, leave those questions and comments as I get into my three things, my three big takeaways from the match yesterday. Now, I was not able to watch the match live, which is why we didn't do a a live post loons immediately following the match. I was at a wedding, uh, but I did rewatch the match today, took my notes as I normally do. Uh, I even live tweeted a little bit on Twitter. If you want to follow me at Jeremy G rushing, kind of a few of my thoughts as well. Um, so that's why we're doing it a day late, but uh, yes, you are getting the full post loons experience for sure. Uh, my first thing, and we're going to go kind of positive, negative in between with these three things. So first let's start with the positive. Continuity is really breeding success among this front four. We saw a, a, this on a much smaller scale at the end of last season when it was Adrian who knew up top and then Fragapane, Reynoso and Lud around him at the end of the season. It seemed like those four, those four were really starting to click and, and actually, you know, get some multi-goal matches in there, but this is that success on a totally different level. Fragapane, Amaria, Huangwani and Reynoso. All four are just playing at an, an exceptional level right now. One of the best front lines in MLS currently I'm saying that right now I'm going to say top five front line in MLS right now in terms of form uh are Minnesota United this front line right now unbelievable work 18 goals in a seven match span now for the Loons. after the uh putting up four on Portland yesterday to me this is the best we've ever seen the Minnesota United attack over 90 minutes. And yes, I am including the 7-1 win over Cincinnati back in 2019, which, correct me if I'm wrong, there are probably some Loons historians watching this. Um, and I, I I started following this team in 2019, so the first two years, I'm really more looking back at scores and, and highlights and stuff. So I don't really have that, that a lot of that knowledge of the first couple of years of Minnesota United in MLS. But um, I think this 4-4 scoreline, is the only time, aside from that 7-1 win, that we've had eight total goals in a Minnesota United match. I also think that 7-1 win, aside from Saturday, was the last time that the Loons had scored four goals in an MLS league match. I'm pretty sure that's the case. So I think last night was the first time Minnesota United had scored four goals in an MLS match since the 7-1 round of Cincy back in 2019. I also think it's the first time that there have been eight total goals Um, the only other time that there have been eight total goals in a loons mls match aside from that 7-1 win over cincy in 2019 so you guys can correct me if i'm wrong on twitter and and in the comments but i i think those are two um i think those are two of uh two little fun facts to take from that but i mean you want to talk about fluidity pressure continued danger taking advantage of open spaces um, and Amaria are just on another level right now, which is opening everything up for Emmanuel Reynoso. Uh, Bongi is on fire as well with two goals and two matches. The fact that everything around Reynoso is really starting to click and come together is what makes him so dangerous because early in the season, yes, he was leading the league in you know, chances created and, and final third passes and, and all those stats that usually lead to goals. Minnesota United was not getting the goals. So all those stats really were, were leading to nothing. But that's because he was the only one making things happen. He was the only one you could rely on, really, if you're Minnesota United in the attack. He's the only one that opposing defenses could really, you know, only one that really had to key in on. But now you have all this quality around him. Amaria is just coming into unreal form, form unlike anything I thought we would see this year with Luis Maria. After that slow start, I sort of counted him out. I declared him a quote-unquote oopsie transfer. I was completely dead wrong on that. We are seeing a Luis San I never thought we would see in a Minnesota United uniform. It is awesome. Franco Fragapani has revived himself after a rough start to the year. Bongi's finding the finding the back of the net. I think Robin Lutz really found a home in that central defensive midfield. As much as he contributes to this team as a winger, the consistency we're seeing now from Bongi, in the attack, I think you got to keep rolling with the hot hand, even after everybody is uh, back and healthy. You get Wiltrat back, uh, you know, and you finally get that defensive midfield, you know, back to fully healthy. I still think it's Longwani on the right. I still think it's Robin Lidd in the defensive midfield. Um, maybe you can toy with the formation a little bit if you're Adrian Heath, but why would you? Everything is clicking in the attack right now as it stands, the way things are for Minnesota United. So why why mix with that that formula? Um, But yeah, it's just everything's coming together right now. And that's what makes this next point so frustrating is while this to me was the best attacking performance that we've ever seen from Minnesota United, it's also, I believe, the worst defensive performance that we have seen in the last three years from Minnesota United since 2019 um in minnesota's first two years in mls they were far and away the worst defensive team in the league right giving up the the goals allowed was just an astronomical difference between them and the next to last team over those first two years right it was pretty insane almost embarrassing um they completely flipped that script in 2019 signed Ico Parra, really solidified a back line really solidified a defensive midfield with ozzy alonzo as well and they've led from the back ever since Anybody who watches the show or listens to this or the 10,000 pitches podcast knows, I say it all the time. Minnesota United at their best lead from the back. Until Saturday. No defensive midfield presence, no organizational on the back line, leaving players wide open in the box, allowing continued pressure and quality chances over and over and over and over again. We'll talk in a bit about Boxall's performance and how I think he might be really to blame for that fourth Portland goal. But you were feeling optimistic. I was feeling optimistic after these last two matches against DC and Houston specifically that maybe Minnesota had found, you know, that back line finally was able to come together and start to click. And at least find some semblance of what they had in 2019, 2020, and 2021 along the back. But man, yesterday... That's rough. That's something I never thought I would see with a back line that includes Michael Boxall and Bakay Dabasi. Never. For as openly critical as I have been about this back line and starting to show cracks and maybe starting to show their age and maybe it's time to get some younger pieces, blah, 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 blah. I have talked those talking points to absolute death. I have beaten that horse to absolute death. I never thought we would see the floodgates open like we did yesterday especially in the defensive midfield. Like that has just, it was head scratching, to say the least. And you could blame the flow of the game, how there was just no midfield pressure either way, and it was end-to-end. But you got to be better defensively if you're Minnesota. You just have to. And they weren't. And we saw them waste the best attacking performance that this MLS team has ever, this MLS club has ever seen because you can't keep the ball out of the back of the net. Um, So, yeah. Um, And my final point, so that's the negative, obviously. My final point is the in-between is, um, I've alluded to this a couple times, we're not used to this as Minnesota United fans. When this team, you know, we talk about them leading from the back in the last few years, you know, that usually means they're grinding out 1-0, 2-1, one draws, you know, a lot of that. 2-2 draws at most, Right. This team is really grinding out low-scoring results when they're defensively led. So a 4-4 draw is just like, it's, it's just wild that you would get this scoreline with this Minnesota United team. It's wild that you would get this end-to-end, open, midfield, wide-open space on both sides of the ball for all 90 minutes, pretty much all match long. thats That's not something we see from Minnesota. And whether they just sort of gave in to the game that Portland was giving them or they, or I don't know what defensively you can look at and say, okay, yeah, that's the reason why. That's the reason why. It just seemed like a totally – the defensively they were just completely taken out of their normal game uh, because of the way – just the end-to-end nature of the match. And um, it was exciting though, right? 4-4 draw. Again, we're not used to that. Is Minnesota United fans. We're used to grinding out those one-one draws, two-one wins, things like that. So while it's exciting, it's hard not to view it as two points lost for Minnesota in this one. Um, Dave says, uh, still need help in the defensive backfield. Yes. Um, and I think that that's the defensive midfield as well. I think defensive midfield and along the back line, you need you need some help. I think you need a new quality number, number six or number eight, wherever you view Kervin Ariaga at in that defensive midfield. I think you got to look for somebody to fill in that other spot. Um, and somebody who's experienced, somebody who's young, young and experienced, maybe be might be a bit of an oxymoron, um, but somebody who can, you know, play that position well and play it for a long time for Minnesota. The Ozzy Alonso signing was great, but Dominic Jose Bozonio said on the Ten Thousand Pitches podcast a few weeks ago, "You got him at the tail end of his career. You got to find somebody who can get that kind of production for a longer period of time." Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with with where where Minnesota needs to add. I still think it's the defensive backfield. or excuse me, defensive backfield, defensive midfield. I still think it's centrally along the back line. I like what Kamar Lawrence and DJ Taylor gave, although neither of them, they objectively did not play well on Saturday either. I still feel comfortable with them moving forward as kind of your fullbacks. Um, I want to see maybe the center back pairing change a little bit. I want to see defensive midfield. I want to see that change a little bit um, because you just can't, you can't have what happened yesterday it's it's simply unacceptable from a Minnesota United fan perspective to look at that and say yep this is the defense this is the loons defense this is what they're going to give us no that's not and i think it's and it, i don't think it's necessarily a one off or a fluke either i think it's sort of been coming a little bit that you know there have been matches where there have been leaks serious leaks, defensive miscues, directly leading to goals, failed clearances, leaving players open in the box from time to time. Like we've seen glimpses of this and we've seen this this lack of organization in spurts in the early portion of the season. But it just all came to a head on Saturday and the floodgates completely opened in a way that I was not expecting. Um, So I think that's the most disappointing part Minnesota United scores four goals. They should be winning that match by at least two. That's how it should go. The way Minnesota, what Minnesota United has showed us as an organization over these last three plus years. They score four goals. They're at least doubling up the opponent. They're not giving up for themselves, even if it is poor. I just it's it's head scratching, and that's what makes it all the more frustrating. All right, so while you guys are leaving more of those questions and comments, I want to hear your takes on the match. I want to hear your thoughts. If you got any questions for me, feel free to drop them. And as you're doing that, I'm gonna shout out. I'm gonna lean over here and shout out our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Eight hundred one South Night Street, Minneapolis is where you can find them. And I don't know if y'all have heard, but Night Street Soccer and Coffee is now serving. Beef. That's right, beer on tap at Ninth Street. I mean, how could it get any better? Soccer and coffee? Let's add some alcohol to the mix, right? Um, So I'm excited to go out there, and they have beers from Uta Pills. A few other local local breweries as well. Uh, Castle Danger is one of them. Uh, So go and check them out. Have a beer. Talk to some other soccer fans. Maybe go play some Pickup. With their affordable weekly pickup, they have pickup going on pretty much every night of the week. It's always affordable, so if you want to get your pickup on in a you know an enclosed weather-controlled environment, you know you don't have to worry about it being 95 degrees. You don't have to worry about rain or storms or any of that. You can get your pickup on any day of the week at Night Street, weather not permitting. So you can uh, you can do that, and then maybe grab a beer after that. Or if you're not much of a soccer player, but you like being in a soccer environment around other soccer fans and soccer people in the Twin Cities soccer community, there's not a better hub for that than Night Street soccer and coffee. You can go watch people play indoor soccer. You can watch professional soccer on the TVs. You can grab some coffee for a pick-me-up. And as I just mentioned, you can grab a beer as well from some great local breweries. So go and check them out. Why wouldn't you? 801 South Night Street, Minneapolis. Check them out online. You can see, right? Oh, I did it wrong again. I've been getting so good at the pointing thing. Uh, right there, ninthstreetmpls.com, n i n t h s t r e e t mpls.com. That same web URL, that's also their uh their handles on Twitter and Instagram at ninthstreetmpls. Learn more about them, book some field time, get signed up for some pickup, get some coffee, drink some beer. It's all possible, courtesy of our friends, Night Street Soccer and Coffee, 801 South Ninth Street, Minneapolis, or online. Ninth street mpls.com huge thanks to derek and the team at Ninth street for helping us out and supporting us here with sodasoccer.com and post loons so now it's time to get into the many 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 match moments um i was taking notes during this match and i had to stop it was a good thing i was watching it after the fact because i had to pause probably four or five times to catch up on what was happening as I was typing my game notes because I have like three pages of game notes here. Now, I'm not going to go through all three pages. I promise you. We will pick and choose some of the most notable ones. And obviously, it starts in the first minute, 14 seconds in, directly off the opening kick. Portland gets the opener by just carving up an op- and obviously not ready yet Loon's defense. I mean, this was what set the tone defensively for the entire match. For Minnesota. Uh, it was a long ball, literally right off the kick. It was the second touch of the match was this long ball. And then three pinball passes. It was goda It was, and then it end, ends up with Blanco. He's in on goal, one-on-one with St. Clair, buries it past him. Nothing DSC could do on that one. And suddenly you blink. I mean, John Champion wasn't even done with his little opening monologue yet, right? I mean, every broadcaster does that. They go through the little spiel right off the opening kick champion that was interrupted by this goal that's how quickly this was 14 seconds in and all of a sudden you blink and you're down one nil if you're if you're minnesota now i saw this i was driving to the wedding because it was a little bit further away so i didn't actually get to turn on the broadcast like the seventh or eighth minute so i did get to watch actually the first half live while i was getting ready at the hotel um but i saw this you know i saw my foot mob app go off down one nil in the first minute and while i'm like okay that sucks Um, I, I wasn't completely, uh, in, oh crap, this is going to go terrible mode. I wasn't, I wasn't completely, uh, bearish on the, uh, results of the match or that determining the results of the match. I thought Minnesota had brought a lot in the attack enough in the attack recently to say, okay, they can withstand being down one nil early. Um, especially, especially with that being so early, I actually thought that gave Minnesota obviously more time to, uh, to take care of that and uh and negate that lead and it did not take them long to do so uh in the ninth minute goal off a brilliant free kick from Reynoso curls directly across the face of goal Amaria at the near post flicks it on to a completely unmarked fracapane at the back post and the left winger buries the header to draw the host level this was a great drawn up set piece I don't know if this is Adrian Heath or not or who who helps draw up set piece plays for Minnesota But this was well drawn up, and the execution was even better. I mean, this is not an easy free kick to go across the face of goal, but not be so close that the keeper's going to come out and catch it. Um, So this is like right across the six-yard box. And it's a great flick on from Amaria. The flick on is actually the reason probably why the keeper wasn't able to get anything to it. Um, And Fragapane is right there, wide open, unmarked at the back. Boom, header one one. Now we move if are Minnesota, right? Game on one-one. Uh just a minute later, minute later though, a nervy moment as Debassi whiffs in his attempt to clear a low cross into the box. But luckily DSC is able to close down the angle, deny the rebound opportunity, and then Lud gets fouled, going for the loose ball. Um DeBossi just chunks chunks the uh the clearance attempt there. But 10 minutes later in the 21st, the loons take the lead. And this goal had everything you could possibly want in the buildup. Great awareness from Fragapane to take a quick restart on the dead ball. Ray and Ariaga completely in sync attacking on the right together. When Then, then uh, Reynoso hits the Hunter and at the perfect moment springs Ariaga free where he's able to get a full view of what he's looking at in the box. Low cross is quality to Fragapane. Um, it's kind of overrun, it's not right in the breadbasket for him. So he has to really take this like back heel flick. And that nearly goes in. And this is where we're going to stop the tape. We'll get to the goal itself in a second. We're going to stop the tape right here. Because this touch from Franco goes off the post. If this ends up in the back of the net, we're talking goal of the year candidate. Like, this is an unbelievable touch. Like, very, very brilliant. So we'll restart the tape. Um, And then an oncoming bongi just buries the rebound. It's a South African second goal in two matches. We get the bird celebration again. I love it. Uh, and it's good vibes only at Allianz 2 1 Loons. And the vibes only get better 20 minutes later in the 41st. Just incredible stuff from Luis Samaria here. How good has Luis Samaria been over this last handful of matches during this whole winning streak for Minnesota, to be honest? Um, off a lazy turnover from Portland, the Paraguayan gets all the space he wants as he dribbles towards the 18. Portland defender does step up. Luis just, ta- just takes one touch to the right. And this is so subtle, but so amazing at the same time. And I can honestly, I I said on Twitter, I could watch this goal on loop over and over and over again. And I have watched it about 25 times, but just that little touch he takes to the right. I need somebody to just gift that. Cause I just want to watch that over and over and over again. Cause it's, it's the simplest little outside touch to get the space, but he just dusts this defender when he does it, he gets the angle. Barry's a beauty of a right-footed curler, and that doubles Minnesota's lead. Just amazing stuff from Amaria uh, here. Uh, 45 plus four, Bongi nearly gets his second to triple the lead. Uh, Reynoso finds him in wide-open space out on the right. Ariaga's there too, but he's sort of, but he's offside, so he has to trail back. Um, so it's all Hongwane, and he get and he gets a really good low shot off. It's curling away from the keeper, beats the keeper but it also curls just wide of the post. And that brings the halftime whistle and it's three to one could have been four, one there in stoppage time, but alas, it's only three to one, but you are feeling excellent. If you're Minnesota heading into half, you weathered a couple defensive miscues. So you think, okay, they got all those out of their system. They'll lock it down defensively. Um, The attack is good. Maybe we'll get another goal or two and we'll go home. Very, very happy. This will be a route, right? Uh, Not so much. Uh, second half, 50th minute, uh, almost a blink of an eye again. It didn't take him 13 seconds. It took him about five minutes into the uh, second half. A bit of a, I would call it, I would call it unproactive defending. Uh, that's, I think, the word, the the adjective I'm going to use to describe this. Unproactive from the Loons here. Uh, Jimmy Chara sends in a seemingly harmless long ball into the box. I mean, it's very high and looping. So you would think that Lawrence is going to have time to get under this and at least make a challenge to head it away. But he doesn't. Uh, He's caught a little bit out of position where it seems like he's really trying to recover to get back to this one. But I still think he could have really made a challenge for that header to get it out of the box. But he doesn't. Instead, he lets it fall to the feet of Moreno and tries to just play straight up one-on-one defense. Eventually, Moreno finds a somehow wide-open Blanco 12 yards out. How you leave Sebastian Blanco wide open twelve yards from from goal is beyond me. Right in the middle of the box, but they do, and he's Sebastian Blanco, so he doesn't miss from there. And suddenly it's three two, and you're feeling a little nervous. Um, obviously conceding that early in the half, the second half struggles have been very well documented and well, uh, you know, the second half anxiety has been well earned uh, from a Minnesota United standpoint. So yeah, the the boogeyman starting to come out of the from under the bed again here. 53rd minute, that boogeyman's all the way out of the bed now. Uh, Another goal, Boxy picks up a yellow after a harsh challenge, and now he missed the Colorado match due to the accumulation. Off the free kick, Niaz Gota, the team's leading scorer, heads it past St. Clair, and suddenly we're all even. Two goals in three minutes to draw Portland level. This will not be the only Portland goal. That starts with a Michael Box almost mistake. We're just going to uh, preface that now. Uh, 57th minute, scary moment as Bongi. Now, now this is going to be, um, this, this is where the match almost completely came off the rails. I mean, if it wasn't already, nine cards, 33 fouls. Uh, but this is where things really almost just com- almost completely lost. Um, 57th minute, scary moment as Bongi gets tripped up and his head falls right on a Timbers player's shin. Uh, he's down, holding the back of his head for a couple minutes. He does shake it off and rise to his feet, and we play on. But literally 10 seconds after this, just as the ball is played back, uh, Bongi's taken down again with an accidental right elbow to the back of the head as he and a Portland player are sort of going up for a, for a header. No whistle. And then as Portland's attacking, Fraga is taken down hard to no whistle. So the Loons are now two men down. And the ref is forced to blow the whistle because it's 11 on nine now for Portland. Uh, Taylor Twellman advocated after this for the concussion sub to be uh, mandatory in MLS. So the loons wouldn't have to you know, play a man down or lose one of the regular subs to get hung one of the, you know, the inspection he needs to determine if it's something serious or not. I obviously totally agree with that. I think it's something they're doing in MLS right now where it's available, but it's not mandatory. Um, I think they need to make it mandatory moving forward. And I think starting next year, I'm, I'm sure it will be. And within four or five years, I'm sure it's something that will be in place in nearly every league in the world. So I don't know why it's taking so long, but it seems like it's this trickle approach where it starts in one league and then all of a sudden other leagues, leagues over the coming years start to adopt it. But anyways, uh, 61st minute, Bongi taken down again, this time by Chara. Uh, luckily, it's not the head this time. Chara's given a yellow for his efforts. Bongi just having, having a rough three or four minute stretch here. But in the 64th, almost a fourth for Minnesota here. DJ Taylor sends a beautiful cross from the right, finds the head of Amaria dead center in the box. The header's strong, but it's right down the middle, uh, and the keeper has to go down for it, but it is saved. Uh, 65th, Gold Timbers, a rare, rare miscue from St. Clair, but once again, starts with Michael Boxall. And from my vantage point, this is a very weak clearance. So the ball ends up at Boxall's feet in the box, and yes, he, you know there's other Timbers players around him, so he can't exactly you know full on you know boot this one, but he just sort of taps it out towards the touchline. But there's no loons players there, so he's tapping this. It's still in play. The only players within you know reach of that ball are Timbers players. So why this ball is going in play and not into the 12th row is beyond me cuz then you're begging for that ball to just come right back into the box, right? That's what that's all that clearance really effectively does. And yes, you could say I'm talking in complete hindsight here and maybe there's an element to it, but you can't just just poke a weak clearance to a spot where none of your players are, especially when it's towards the touchline in your defensive third, like the, the, it's not going to end well. And it doesn't end well here. Um, ends up at the feet of Blanco. Um, it's deflected by Lawrence. Uh, he tries to cross one of the box, deflected by Lawrence into the path of the Loons keeper. Uh, but he, Lawrence is clear. It's, it's just enough of a redirect that it gets St. Clair a little off balance, probably ruins his focus on the ball. Um, and he's not able to get behind it. And it carams off of St. Clair into the back of the net. So it's an own goal. Uh, given to Kamar Lawrence, and all of a sudden, uh, 4-3. And the collapse is complete. But fear not, because who is here to save the day but Luis Amaria? Uh, Reynoso out wide on the right in the 69th, loops a back post cross. Bongi does a great job to win this 50-50 header and head it back across goal to Amaria, who heads it home. It's his second of the night. An equalizer that absolutely revived the crowded Allianz Field. I mean, understandably, after blowing a three-one lead and going down four-three, things were pretty quiet in the stadium. At least, how that's how it sounded on the broadcast. Um, and the crowd erupted when Amari gets this equalizer. It was actually, it must have been awesome to be there live for that moment. To be honest, um, even though the result isn't what you wanted, it's those kind of moments, those roller coaster of emotions, and when things actually, you know, when you get that goal to at least get a result. Um, that, that's a, that's a good feeling moment where a, a match might not, you may not come out of that match feeling hundred percent great about what happened, but, um, that goal saved Minnesota's point, right? Uh, 74th though, nearly a winner for Portland and Van Rankin. He doesn't get all of a right footer in the box, but it's well-placed curling. You know, it starts outside the goal and it seems to be curling towards that top corner. Um, St. Clair though, is able to use all of his vertical makes an outstretched save to keep things level. Great save from St. Clair there. Uh, and then 90th minute, I mean, you're already down Boxall for the next match. You're trying to lock down a result here. And just a reckless, careless late challenge from Reynoso here uh, earns him a yellow card. He was on yellow card accumulation from the last league match he played, which feels like forever ago now. But now he'll miss the Colorado match as well alongside Boxall. And that's not it they'll be joined three's a crowd but there will be three loons missing the colorado match and the final one added to that list is mr robin wood because in 90 plus four a tactical foul to shut down a portland breakout earns him a yellow and the finn will now miss the colorado match on accumulation as well so now you go on the road to the rapids now while the rapids have not been very good this year you're still going to be at that elevation and you're going to be missing three pretty crucial pieces in michael boxall amanda reynoso and robin wood be very interesting to see what the team sheet looks like uh on Saturday for that one. But yeah, pretty bitter taste, as Dave Lensky mentioned earlier in the stream. You get that 3 1 lead at half, go down 4 3. You do get the equalizer to make it 4 4. But all in all, it's just it does feel like two points lost for sure. Now, if you're just tuning in and you haven't left a question or comment yet, feel free to do that as sort of we uh, start to bring this home. But before we do that, I'm going to shout out our friends over at Pence Holmes, going to lead over here and uh, talk about Pence Holmes. Nate Pence is a huge supporter of Minnesota soccer, big-time Minnesota United fan, big-time supporter of Minneapolis City, Minnesota Aurora. So it's not just the Loons. You know, his support of Minnesota soccer really aligns to what we're trying to do at SodaSoccer.com. Yes, we want to cover and support the Loons in Minnesota United because we're passionate about that. But we're also passionate about every other corner of Minnesota soccer, Minnesota, Aurora, Minneapolis City included. And Pence Homes, that that, that vision really aligns with their support as well. So we're really happy to have them on board supporting us. Um, but not only are they involved in the local soccer community and supporting the local soccer community, they're a great group of realtors that are helping people buy and sell homes in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area. If you just go to pencehomes.com, which you can see right there, there I got the pointing down. P-E-N-T-E-Z homes.com and you just scroll, it doesn't take long to find the endless amount of great reviews and testimonials they have on that website. I mean, they do an excellent job. Nate's a great dude. um, And he has sort of changed the game in realty a little bit by really providing people a a super transparent, honest experience. You know what you're going to get when you work with Nate You know what the value is gonna be. You know what's going on in the market. He has the, the team and the technology to help navigate things and make things as seamless as possible for you and your family as you make a huge transition in your life. Anybody who has moved, especially when you're talking about buying or selling a house or doing both in most cases, it's stressful as hell, right? Well, Nate and his team are there to make it as less stressful as possible. Nobody can take all the stress away from moving and buying and selling a home. But Nate and his team do an excellent job of at least relieving as much of that stress as humanly possible. So make sure you check out Nate um, and his team. Just go to penceholmes.com, as you can see right there, or you can email Nate directly. You can see his name there, n-a-t-e at penceholmes.com. Big thanks to Nate and the team at Homes for supporting us here on the post Postgame Post Game Show and with sodasoccer.com. So we're going to talk about what's on tap in a minute. I'm going to go through the, the match stats, which are actually pretty interesting. Um, but as I'm doing that, if you have any questions, comments, or takeaways, feel free to drop those in the chat. Um, but the stats on this one are pretty interesting and pretty indicative of a match that Minnesota should have won. Um, but the first of all, let's talk about the discipline. Um, nine yellow cards in this match. 33 fouls called. How there were nine yellow cards and not a red is absolutely beyond me. I don't know if I've seen that many yellow cards without a red card before, but um that means nine individual players were booked in this match. Uh pretty wild. 33 total fouls called as I mentioned a lot of stoppage. We had 8 minutes of stoppage time in the second half. Um shots, Portland outshot Minnesota 17 to 13. Shots on target, Minnesota had a or Portland had a slight edge 7 to 6. 10 of Minnesota's 13 shots came inside the box. So that showed you that they were getting in those goal-scoring positions that they wanted to get in. Um, and then at, But defensively, I mean, after blocking eight shots against Houston, only three blocks against Portland, 17 shots uh, on Saturday. The XG very much in Minnesota's favor. Minnesota 2.46, Portland only 1.35. 1.35 XG for the Timbers, but they put up four on the Loons. Very, very interesting. But that is statistically how the match shook out. And as we mentioned, the next one is going to be tough. Because while you're facing a team that is third to bottom in the Western Conference right now in Colorado, you're down Boxall, you're down Ray, you're down Ludd, you're shorthanded. Last time Minnesota United came into a match shorthanded, which was against Houston, they got the job done. They got a big three points on the road. We'll see if they can do it against Colorado. It will be... um, It will be big if they can get three points against Colorado. I think it'll honestly effectively counterbalance the three points they didn't get against Portland if they could go on the road against Colorado and get a win. That's how I felt about the Houston match. Uh, I I felt going on the road against getting three points against Houston negated the really disappointing draw against Kansas City. If you could go on the road in Colorado and get three points there, I think that'll sort of counter the disappointing draw against Portland. So Saturday, 8 p.m., we'll be right here again for the post postgame show. Night of this time. So not day after, not night after. We will have a day of, night of postloons postgame show following Minnesota and Colorado next Saturday. We'll see how Minnesota you how Minnesota can do shorthanded. Rapids, though, not in very good form. Last loss to his 10-man Sounders team, two to one last weekend. And as I mentioned, currently sitting third to bottom in the West. So um, on paper, winnable when you look at the pieces that Minnesota is going to be missing for that one. Um, you know, I think you'll take a point, but three points would be huge because right now you're back level on points for third in the West with Dallas, 35 points each. And if I actually take a look at the standings right now, MLS Western Conference standings, both Google machine here, let's fire that up. Um, Real Salt Lake is only one point back for that, you know, they're in fifth right now. So if you want to hold on to a top four spot, getting three points against Colorado would really help. Because if you get one against Colorado, you may effectively find yourself if, if, you know, results go well for the other teams in that race, you might find yourself out of a home playoff positioning um, after that. So, uh, yeah, it's an opportunity to sort of negate the really bitter draw that you got yesterday, if you can go on the road and find a way to get a win against Colorado. All right, guys, I'm starting to repeat myself pretty heavily here. So I think that's where we're going to cut it off this week for Post Loons. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, um, for interacting, for watching, for listening, if you're listening on the podcast feed after the fact. I really appreciate it. Um, And we will be back on Saturday after Colorado for another edition of Post Loons. Till then, have a great week, guys. See you next time.